This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Lord Jesus, help us to draw near to you as you draw near to us. Help us to see you afresh this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. The story of Philip and Nathaniel from our Gospel reading is a story of a couple of fairly ordinary guys being called by God. Philip was going about his business in Galilee when Jesus asked him to follow him. Nathaniel, Philip's friend, wasn't there when Jesus called Philip, so as far as we know, Nathaniel had never met Jesus. But when Philip encountered Jesus, he immediately went to his friend Nathaniel to tell him what had happened and to invite him to come and see for himself. And it was really that simple. Nathaniel, however, was fairly nonplussed by Philip's invitation. It would be a bit like if he'd just been told that the savior of the world was from some tiny town in the middle of nowhere. But what happens next in this uh, narrative is quite instructive. You see, Philip could have got into a deep discussion with Nathaniel. He could have sat down, had he even known this, and said, well, yes, I, I know Nazareth is a kind of one-horse town, and um, you know, I know that Nazareth isn't mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament in relation to the promised Messiah, but Jesus really is the, the one that was foretold because he was born in Bethlehem because of the census, and Jesus was this and that and the other. But he didn't do that he has a much better response. He says, come and see. As many of you may know, I used to be a trial lawyer, and at the time, I have to say, I thought it really was the best job in the world. Let's face it, I got paid to argue. I got paid to talk, it's fantastic. What could be better than that? Don't answer that. I'm sure you could give me a long list of things that are better than that. Well, I am happy to report that, by God's grace, I have mellowed a little these past 35 years since I last cross-examined someone in a courtroom. Just a little, mind you. Sometimes a good argument is hard to resist. Well, notwithstanding that, I have learned that when it comes to matters of faith and matters concerning who Jesus is, Debating and thrashing things out will only ever get you so far. The truth is, everyone who wants to encounter the living Christ at some point has to come and see for themselves. You know, most of us act on recommendations from our friends or others in all sorts of ways all the time. We may get a recommendation about a good book or a restaurant or a podcast or a car or doctors or plumbers or just about anything. And when I book an Airbnb, I always read the comments of others very carefully. And if you're recommending something to someone, um, or you're recommending someone or something to someone else, it's usually based on your own experience. Because you know that that person is reliable, or you know that a particular product works well, or you've enjoyed reading that book, or whatever it is. And so we say to our friends, you really should try this new coffee shop. You really should check out this 
this new store I found. Or we say, come and see this amazing pub I went to last week. And when it comes to sharing our faith with others, which after all is part of what this whole season of Epiphany is all about. It's about the light of Christ shining in the darkness and going to the ends of the earth. And when it comes to actually doing that, those three words I have found can be very helpful. And I can tell you that I have found that this Jesus of whom I preach today is not merely an historical figure. He truly is who he said he was. He's the son of God. And more specifically, I have found that when I have been in the deepest, darkest despair, when all seemed hopeless, when I wondered how I could even carry on, God was very real and very present to me by his spirit. I can also tell you, when I have been at a loss as to what to say, God has given me the words. I have found that this Jesus of Nazareth is real and alive and very present. And as we see in this passage this morning, there are three other words that we can use when we want to introduce someone to Jesus. And these are words of invitation. Come and see. Philip said to his friend Nathaniel, come and see. We found the one prophesied by Moses and the prophets. This is the most important invitation that we as Christians can make to our friends or family who may not know Jesus. Now, of course, we can argue and we can discuss, we can talk about moral issues and religion. But to the people that most of us encounter on a day-to-day -day basis, it's not about a good argument. To the people who are looking for joy or love or meaning or hope or freedom or community and for good news when life is messed up, we can say to them, Come and see. I wonder, who are the Nathaniels in your life? Who might be waiting for an invitation from you? Who are the people you know whom you could invite to come and see? And inviting someone to come and see could mean inviting someone to church. Absolutely, it could mean that, and you could bring them with you. But it could also mean inviting someone to have coffee with you, or to hang out, or to go to the park not as a pretext for telling them about Jesus, but simply as an act of friendship. Nathaniel encountered God when he encountered Jesus. He was seen by Jesus and he was known by Jesus. And today, so many people live lives that are unseen by others. So many people that I encounter of every age are actually lonely. They do not feel seen or noticed or known or loved. It was extraordinary. I was, I was in a coffee shop with a colleague earlier this week, and um, the place was quite full, and only a couple of people were on their own, but everybody had their heads buried in their phones. Nobody was talking to each other. It was kind of depressing. But when you notice people... When you remember their names and when you talk with them, that can be a gift, a precious gift of hospitality, friendship, and love. And it, and it sounds very basic, 
And that's because it is. And it is very powerful. Today, here, Jesus is not sitting in one of our pews in the sense of being physically present with us. And yet he is present in every believer. We, you, together, we are the body of Christ. So when people spend time with us, there is a real sense in which they are encountering Jesus. Now, of course, that begs some questions. Are you spending time with people? Are you noticing others and getting to know other people? Are you willing to walk alongside someone and travel with them what is often the long and winding road toward God? Often it can take a long time for someone truly to encounter Jesus. But when you are excited about something or someone, you want to share it. I wonder, how excited are you today about Jesus? And if you're not excited about Jesus, then I hope you will hear afresh this invitation to encounter him. This invitation to come and see is the invitation to every person to draw near to God. And so for those who are already following Jesus, it's an invitation to draw closer. It's an invitation to live the baptized life, extending grace to others, being Christ to them, with or without words. It's not controlling, it's not pressured, it's not a technique. And if you have known God's calling, if you have discovered the good news of the gospel, if you've encountered the love, the forgiveness, the peace and the fellowship as a member of God's family, then you have a recommendation you have a story to tell. You have an invitation to make. So I wonder, who do you know who might be open to a come-and-see invitation? And I want to take a moment right now and prayerfully consider that question. So we're just going to pause. Who might God want you to invite to come and see? When Nathaniel did as his friend Philip asked him to do, when he came and saw, an extraordinary thing happened. When Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him, he praised his honest inquiring and said, here is truly an Israelite where there is no deceit. And Nathaniel is flawed. Where did you get to know me, he says. I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you, Jesus replies. And to this, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And it, it turns out that Nathaniel was so ready to be invited to come and see. It was almost as if Nathaniel was saying to himself, here is the one who understands my dreams. Here at last is the person who hears my prayers. Here's the one who's seen into my soul and sees the longings of my heart that I've barely even articulated to a living soul. And that is exactly what Jesus does. He is the true bread that satisfies. He is the living water that can alone quench our spiritual thirst. In a sense, 
all of us are Nathaniels. Every believer has been a seeker, and hopefully all of us continue to be seekers after truth, seekers to know more about God and his intention for our lives. Jesus knew Nathaniel before Nathaniel had ever even met him. And Jesus knows each one of you, whether you know him yet or not. But there's more in this passage, for Jesus says to Nathanael, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And then Jesus says this really kind of odd thing. Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. But what on earth is that about? Well, let me ask you, those of you who know your Bibles, which I know many of you do, where have you seen that picture before? This is not a rhetorical question. Jacob's Ladder, that's right. At our annual parish retreat a couple of years ago, we thought a bit about Jacob in the context actually then of Psalm 46, and we had a pop-up quiz on Jacob, which was a lot of fun, and it soon became very apparent that Jacob was kind of a piece of work. He was, I know he's a hero of the faith, but he really is a piece of work, and he was a schemer, and he was always plotting to get ahead of his firstborn twin brother Esau. And you may recall how he tricked his brother out of his birthright, and then again, at the end of, uh, of his father's life, he tricked his brother again to, to grab a blessing from his father before he died. Well, that incident led to Jacob having to run for his life as his brother had had enough and was threatening to kill him. And it's while Jacob's on the run that he had this dream. And in that dream, he sees a ladder reaching up to heaven, and there are angels coming up and down this ladder, and he sees the Lord standing above the ladder, and the Lord promises to bless him. Well, Jacob wakes from his dream and says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I never even knew it. This is awesome. That's what he says. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And you can read all about that in Genesis 25 to 28 later. Well, Jacob names that place Bethel. Anyone know what Bethel means? House of God. Yes, Bethel. <laughs> and it became one of the great landmark sanctuaries for the people of Israel. N.T. Wright teaches that the tradition of Jacob's dream with the ladder and the angels going up and down became connected with the understanding that when you worshipped God in his house, God was really present. When we worship God in this place, as we do today, God is really present. With his angels coming and going to link heaven to earth. John's gospel is so rich with theological and spiritual overtones all the way through the narrative. So I think we can be fairly sure that John didn't include this rather strange comment about Jacob and the ladder without very good reason. At the start of the chapter, John had told us that Jesus, the word, became flesh, and we heard a lot about that at Christmas, and that he lived among us. And the word for lived, as in lived among us, is a word associated with the presence of God, with God pitching his tent 
among his people. Okay, that was a, well done for sticking with me. That was a long kind of discursive. What does it all mean? I think it means this. Jesus is telling Nathanael that when he comes to see Jesus, he shouldn't think merely that he's come to see a man who saw him under the fig tree before Philip spoke to him. Rather, from this point forward, Nathanael should see the reality to which Jacob's ladder and the dream of the angels had pointed, namely that God is present in Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Well, that day, Nathanael came and saw. And I believe that the challenge for us all today is to listen and to look so that we might hear and see what God has done in the past, what he is doing in the present, and what he will do in the future. And so this morning, I invite you to come and see. I don't know what made you come to church this morning. Maybe you are a committed Christian, and if so, this is the right place to be, of course, and uh, draw near with faith this morning again, and receive again the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. Jesus is here. But maybe that's not you at all. Maybe you're running away from someone or something this morning. And if you are, come and see. And if you've been standing at the edges of the church and the Christian faith, today, come and see. And if you've come to church reluctantly or with doubts and questions, come and see. For the Lord is here. His Spirit is with us here, in this place. Maybe, even though you're here, you've actually stopped following Jesus. Maybe your love for God has grown cold. Maybe you want to want to draw near to God. But whatever the reason you are here, or whatever the reason you're watching this on YouTube, this morning, the invitation made by Philip to his friend Nathaniel is the invitation for you today. Draw near. Come and see Jesus. He longs to meet you. And let me be so bold this morning to take this one step further. I do this only rarely from the pulpit, but if you're ready to encounter Jesus, if you are ready to follow him, to give your life to him, to receive from him the forgiveness and new life that he longs to give, then I invite you to pray with me right now, right here, a prayer. So I invite you to just bow your heads as we sit. And if you're willing, echo this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for your invitation to me this morning to come and see. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to know you. I am sorry for my selfishness and sinfulness. Please forgive me. Please come into my heart and life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit myself to following you from this day forward. Amen. And let me say this. If you prayed that prayer 
this morning for the very first time, I encourage you to tell me or one of the other clergy on the way out, just say, I prayed that prayer. And if you'd like to, let's find a time to talk a bit more. Or you might tell a friend, or you could tell one of the members of the prayer teams during communion. And to those who maybe prayed a prayer like that a long time ago, or anyone who's prayed the prayer at any point, or however many times, I want to encourage you and invite you to action. Who will you invite to come and see? Who was it, perhaps, that came into your mind when we paused a moment ago to ask God to show us? And maybe nobody came to your mind. That's okay. Well, then I invite you to ask God again this week in your prayers that he would show you whom he would have you invite to come to know him. Amen.